Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. How you doing, Jen? And happy post-Halloween to you. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How was your Halloween, by the way? It was awesome. I had, yeah. this was probably in my top 10 of Halloweens. Really? So what fun. did you do? Um, we went to LA and went to the Mayan Warrior. Uh, it's kind of like a little mini Burning Man type thing. It was fun. Well, the Burning Man art car thing. Yeah. They're like yeah. a stage at Burning Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an art car and they have DJs on the top and, and they did an event, um, in downtown. It was really And fun. you went crazy. I went crazy. Yeah. Like full makeup, you know, head to toe it was really fun. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw the, uh, pictures that you sent me. Jen sent me some pictures of her costume during Halloween. And if you guys don't know this, Jen is very, very elaborate when it comes to her Halloween costumes. She gets yeah, crazy. One, because she's a really, really amazing artist. And if you guys have ever seen her work, maybe we can share it one day, but she uses that art in order to paint faces. Yep. Everyone wanted to match their jackets, so we had a, a lot of animals, um, but I was an alien, and uh, we had a couple, we had like a snow leopard and a regular leopard, and then my friend Tracy wanted to be a glitter skull. So I don't know, you guys, looked like, you were, you guys looked like you were the cast of cats, and then you were the only one that dressed <laughs> sort of like an alien, and you, I, you do really, really great alien interpretations with costumes, by the way. I think it was a couple oh, years thanks. ago where you did like the... The whole blue face with the alien. If you guys want to check it out, go on her IG and uh, look for Jen as an alien. You'll find it. Yeah, I did the bald cap that year. So that was really cool to not have hair. It's kind of weird to see yourself without hair. No, I totally agree. And did you eat a lot of Halloween candy? That's the most important question. I didn't eat any Halloween candy. Really? Yeah. I didn't get right. any. We did hand some out though. So we, um, the next, the next night was actually Halloween. So uh -huh. we gave out candy at my friend Shana's house and she had these little glow in the dark rings yeah. and it was the cutest thing. The kids would come up and we're like, make sure you get a ring. And, yeah. um, they're like, Hey, can I have an extra one for my mom? I, I'm not even kidding. At least 10 kids asked for an extra light up ring for their moms. You might really as well, cute. because you know what? They didn't have a Halloween last year. You got to make it up for this year. And I don't care. Like I was in a, a mindful candy coma. Okay. Cause you look, ain't nobody coming home at the end of the night with oatmeal flavored candy bars and gluten-free sour candies. All right. Didn't care. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Every motherfucker out there is knee deep in some Kit Kat bars and some almond joys during Halloween. Mm -hmm. And some Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. You just got to practice balance. Look, candy exists because God exists, Jen. And so it's meant to be enjoyed. <laughs> Agreed. I love candy. I'm a huge candy person. Yeah. One thing that I noticed though is obviously last year we didn't have that experience because of the pandemic, but uh, I went over to a friend's house and we were looking down this street and it's something that I hadn't seen in quite some time, which is what I'm going to coin as old timey Halloween, old timey Halloween, right? Okay. So old timey Halloween. And I was trying to mention this. Yeah. I was trying to mention this to the, the people I was talking Salt to and they're candy. like, well, what is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're like the candies that you would receive, like you find in like a, an old Bernstein's bear book from your childhood. Yeah. Doesn't have Brocks. like a name on it. Yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Anyways, I saw these kids and they were walking down on the sidewalk and there was just this white picket fence it looked old timey. And then there was this old timey house that looked like it could 
potentially be haunted. And they had the little old-timey, innocent sort of cemetery in the front yard. Oh, innocent cemetery. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It it wasn't like meant to scare the shit out of you is what I'm saying. You know, some of these neighborhoods are like, oh, crap. Like, you're even afraid as an adult to go through them. Yeah. There's a shock value to it. Yeah. I'm talking about old-timey in the sense that it's like something more that you'd find at Michael's. Okay. You know what I mean? Like the old-timey. And in the what emphasized the most of the old-timey, the abundance of the old-timiness, is that the kid had these old-timey costumes. It wasn't like a Transformer from the movie. It wasn't like Captain Jack Sparrow from the movie. Nobody was trying to be a character from a movie. They were just old-timey ghost, clown, pirate. Yeah, yeah. okay. Old-timey the ghost costumes. with the bed sheet, yeah. With the bed sheet, exactly. Yeah. And like the little okay. patch over the eye and they had their little old-timey Halloween uh, little bag with candy. And it just, it felt so nice. You know, and oh, one thing I that I noticed that. It is, it, is it seemed to be about connection and collaboration and uh, an opportunity for children as well as adults to play. And I think at the core, Halloween's really about the recognition of our mortality, while at the same time recognizing that we willingly play certain characters and archetypes throughout our life. So the beautiful thing is seeing these sort of themes and at least creating some spark of curiosity in a kid that, hey, I am alive, but one day I may not be alive. And there's nothing wrong with that. What do you think about the slutty costumes that adults wear? You know, like slutty Red Riding Hood or Snow White. Do you think that that's just living out some kind of weird childhood fantasy? Um, I don't know. Like, this is what I think. I think that there's this sort of stigma behind adults playing. Mm -hmm. Like, because we affiliate that with childlike of energy, right? Halloween, you look at that as like a a childlike thing. And I don't understand why. Like, adults play just in a different way. And I had this conversation with somebody a little while ago about, like, sex is a form of play for adults. Because we're embodying a certain type of, of energy where we're present, we're in the creative space in the same way that we cultivate art. And that is a form of play. I think a part of that is self exploration and expression. So if, you know, chicks want to dress up in those type of outfits, they can do that. God represents itself in a multitude of different ways. I was thinking, okay, maybe the the tradition of Halloween is meant to remind us of our mortality. I don't know, maybe for those women, it's uh, reminding them that one day when they get older, they won't be able to wear shit like that anymore. Every time I wear something skanky, I always think about that. I'm like, you know what? This might be the last time. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting I'm getting too old to wear crop tops and all that shit. I tend to not take a position when it's stuff like that. I'm I, the way I feel about it is if it makes you happy, it brings joy to the people around you. Of course, be mindful. You know, you don't want to like walk into like a elementary mm-hmm. school celebration of Halloween wearing something like that. Yeah. But correspond with the people of vibe with that type of energy. So maybe like at a party or a bar. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Doesn't matter to me. I want to be dressed okay. appropriately for the event. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had my fix of candy. I'm ready to go. I was able to successfully probably detox that from my system, but it was, I enjoyed it while I could. Now we're back. Now we're back into the deep, deep sauce, Jen. Rolling in the deep. Here we Roll, go. What's, yeah. Before we move on from the candy, I just need to know what's your favorite Halloween candy? That's a complex question, pick Jen. Pick one. You have to pick one. The first one that comes to mind. I can't I can't do that. I can't what? do that because I like them all for different reasons, Jen. Can you answer that question? Of course I can. Okay, well, what is it? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Really? Yeah, my favorite Halloween candy. Well, I don't blame you. Do you ever put the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in like a little, little thing of oat milk and just sort of stir it around and make some chocolate milk? No, but that sounds amazing. That's a great idea. Yeah, it sounds good, right? Yeah, Yeah. it does. Second is Almond Joy. I love coconut, so... You know yeah, the almond the joy. I had this mm-hmm. conversation with somebody. Almond joy was something I hated when I was young, but when yes, I got me older, too. for whatever but reason, I love them as an older person. I know. Yeah. yeah, we can figure out where we're at in our emotional and spiritual evolution through the type of candy that we like. Agreed. But you I always I mean? love sour candies. So any sour patch kids, sour gummy worms, uh, sour bubble gum, any of that stuff. Well, that sort of represents just kind of kind of represents you in a lot of ways, Jen. First, you're 
Sour than your sweet. <laughs> sour, sour little bitch. <laughs> the little Sour Patch Kid. Yeah, uh, that's neat. I've totally been a Sour Patch Kid before. But uh, my, I would say maybe like a Twix or uh, peanut butter cups. I like okay. those. I can okay. vibe with those. I can okay. fucks with those. You know? Right. No no candy has been turned down. I'll try anything. You know what I mean? So, Open all right. Open to the candy. We ground ourselves a little bit. Thank you guys for, for tuning in. Welcome. We're on the other side of Halloween. We're approaching November. It's going to be a wonderful time. The holidays are upon us. Holidays represent a lot of different things. Also, relationships, family, collaboration, unity, typically with our partners. And I think one thing that me and Jen have been waxing poetic about for a long time, and this is because this is more of a philosophy. I look at this more as like a philosophy and not necessarily something set in stone. And that is the question or the the theme, and the philosophy of twin flames and soulmates. We're going to tackle this one because me and Jen have a lot of thoughts on this. Also, because I think it's within both of our experiences. We've encountered these type of dynamics in our lives before, and every human being does. But there's a, a fair share of people out there that aren't too familiar with how to recognize twin flame, soulmate type of dynamics, and even what it is. And so if we can today, we're all together, we're going to explore the twin flame soulmate, let's just call it theology or philosophy. And then hopefully at the end of the podcast, you will have extracted some understanding, something to uh, chew on a little bit, like a nice piece of chocolate candy and uh, reflect Maybe to apply it to your own life. That's always good good vibes, right? It's good yeah. vibes. Let's do so it. So the best best place that we can start, Jen, and this is this is really interesting because I, I've been having this this uh, debate with lots of people for a long time about twin flame soulmates and where, where it originated from. And okay. uh, one thing that you don't hear very often is Greek mythology. But you know Greek. what you do hear often is the misuse of twin flames. Oh yeah. Hear that all the damn time. Everybody thinks like, oh, you know, they've fallen in love with the new person. Oh, that's my twin flame. And it's like, oh, slow down. Slow down there, Sparky. Yeah. We've got some signs. Hopefully we can help you identify if this is a, a soulmate, a twin flame, or a karmic partner. Yeah. And I'm one of those people. It's like, you got to start at the beginning. You got to start at the beginning, you start at the bottom and work your way up. Understanding. So the topic or the theme of Twin Flames and Soulmates originated in Greek mythology in the story of Zeus and his relationship to humans who were created by Persephone, goddess of the underworld. You can find this out by reading Plato or Plato, potato, potato, whatever way, Plato. He talks about it in his work, The Symposium, about original human beings having four arms, legs, two heads, and one body. Oh my God, that would be so hard to get dressed. Oh my gosh, right? And you'd have to buy like four pairs of shoes. Shoes are already expensive as it is, Jen. I know. And hats? Oh, that's expensive too. And then they're bumping into each other. How do you wear a hat? Yeah. I saw somebody wear some Comme des Garçons on the other day that were Converse. They were like $150, $200. And that's just for two regular ass Converse with a heart on it. Whoever's listening, you probably know who Comme de Garcona, it's a designer. But I'm like, dude, imagine if you were somebody into designer clothing, you'd have to get four pairs of shoes. Those are really cute though. I like those little heart Converse. I saw somebody with them in the airport and I was like, I love your shoes. Yeah. There's this whole movement of people that really appreciate them. And that's cool. I thought they were pretty cool, but I don't know. It's kind of steep. You know, back in my day, Converse, all-stars were like 40 bucks, 30 bucks. So in the Greek origin story, there were three gender types. There's man, woman, and then Androgynous, which is actually, you're going to know this, Jen, but androgynous is actually a Greek word defined as man-woman. Man-woman, yeah. It's like the same thing. And we're talking about these, this before the creation, these were spiritual types of energies. Masculine. I think they call that non-binary now, but yes, androgynous yes. is the, yeah, the old school are, term. Yeah, that's the, that's the correct uh, 
Those are the correct, correct pronouns, Jen. We got to <laughs> move with the times. So the gender was determined by where the human originated from. Men were children of the sun. Women were children of the earth. And androgynous humans were children of the moon, born of merging both the sun and the earth. So when we came to earth, both man and woman... And you know the four types of everything we were in, we were already infused, and we were all considered androgynous. And this occurred because Persephone breathed life into the clay of the earth and infused it with the spirit of the masculine and the feminine. The story is getting a little deep. It is confusing, but he, you know what? The Greek these these Greeks were very confusing people. So <laughs> Zeus. So the the issue was that Zeus he feared the power of the humans. Right? They were really powerful. They were fearless. They were strong, and they threatened to take the place of the gods. Mm-hmm. They didn't want them taken over. So Zeus, with his lightning bolt, if you guys are familiar with Greek mythology, took his lightning bolt, was all super pissed, and he was just like, "Fuck these humans!" And he split them into two. So the theory was to condemn humans to a lifelong journey of trying to discover the other half. Okay. Uh, because they could have destroyed humans completely. The gods, I'm talking about, just as they did with the Titans, but the gods seemed, I don't know, from my perspective, almost like narcissists because they didn't want to completely destroy them because then they were like, well, who else is going to worship us as gods then? Yeah. So Apollo, the god of music, true, I feel like there should be some like old-timey Greek classic music playing in the background while they tell this story. So Apollo, Apollo, the goddess of music, truth, and healing, showed what seemed to be some compassion for these humans, Jen, and she stitched up the wounds and left the humans with the navel as the only remembrance we have of our original form. So the theosophy, this is actually really interesting because at the start of life, we, in this sort of philosophies, we are wounded by nature, right? We can see being birthed as being wounded, but if we look at the Greek mythology perspective, if we're cut in half, we go through life with that sort of wound of knowing that we've been separated, cut off from the source, which is our other half. And that is actually the source of where you were cut off from your mother, right? Yeah. If you're birthed, they yeah. cut your umbilical cord and it's connected to your navel. Yeah. So it's like this it's like this fractal thing that happens in a multitude of different ways, in so many different ways. And I think that points to the polarity of our world. This whole one splitting into two is a common mm-hmm. sort of theme that you find just here on earth. Right. Right. So this happens through love. It happens through evolution. It happens through everything. And Theosophy, who is uh, kind of like a Christian mystery school with Madame Blavatsky and uh, Lord Alcott, believes that a soul splits in two as a result of karmic debt needing to be worked through in various lifetimes, which I think we're going to talk about. Eventually, the spirit will infuse together once all the karma has been addressed. In attempts to heal that wound, what we begin to do is we begin by superficial means right? Mm-hmm. An attempt to heal that wound. We go for money, success, material endeavors. Uh, we have this impulse in life to search for something that we believe that we're missing, right? right? It's just sort mm-hmm. of like that impulse in humans. And that could be seen as that other half that we're missing. We receive these things at some point in our life. But of course, inevitably, after a while, we start to feel empty because it's, it's not what we're looking for. Right. And as we evolve, we realize that we aren't searching for something superficial. We realize we're we're searching for love. And this uh-huh. is when the whole twin flame soulmate dynamic comes into the field. And this is a this is a difficult one, Jen, because me and Jen have had various conversations about this and we've seen this unravel in our lives in different ways. Partners that we've been with in our lives, the partners that we've seen other friends be involved with. And as sort of spiritual teachers or people on the path, we run into situations with other people where we're either having to or we're, we're asked to provide advice or perspective and it's hard not to see these sort of themes at play when you see a friend right. that is in a relationship with what seems to be a twin flame or a soulmate, you know? So, so true. And, you know, what's cool about soulmates is you can have many of them. 
and they can be platonic or they can be um, a lover. They could be a family member, a child, a friend, an no. animal. I mean, we can have multiple soulmates, but you only have one twin flame. So you only have, you only have one twin flame. You only have one. So no. if you happen to meet your twin flame, that's the twin grind. So get ready. Yeah, get ready. We're going to go over this. This is going to be a deep one. We're going to go into what is a twin flame? What are twin flames? What are soulmates? The difference between the two. There's also stages that twin flames tend to go through, and we'll share that with you. Maybe you happen to be in one right now. We'll go into common signs that you have met your twin flame and your soulmate. And I just wanted to preface this by saying, when we go over the common signs, it's really important. We're going to include the twin flame and soulmates into the same signs. And the reason why I think this is important is because at the beginning, these two things feel exactly the same. There's this Mm -hmm. really intensity. There's this draw towards something familiar. And we're going to get into really defining a twin flame or soulmate dynamic more by how the relationship unfolds. And then uh, just some different things uh, that we'll hopefully be able to get to because there's a lot to get to. Things to practice in these relationships. Maybe some personal and personal experiences with the twin flame soulmate. What they feel like and things like that. So I wanted to start it off with a quote because Aristophanes, who is one of the fellows that was talking to Plato in that work that I had uh, mentioned, which was the symposium. And they both, and you can think of the symposium as like Plato and Aristophanes. They were having a debate about- I feel like that's right. Yeah. You can say Aristophanes, but whatever. And they were having a debate as to what this energy was. And he had a couple of quotes that I found that were really interesting. He says, one longed for its other half. And so they would throw their arms about each other, weaving themselves together, wanting to grow together. Quote number one. Quote number two, love is born into every human being. It calls back the halves of our original nature. It tries to make one out of two and heal the wound of human nature. Each of us then is a matching half of a human whole. And each of us is always seeking the half that matches him. And then the last quote that I thought was interesting, he says, when a person meets the half that is his very own, something wonderful happens. The two are struck from their senses by love, by a sense of belonging to one another and by desire. And they don't want to be separated from another, not even for a moment. These are people who finish out their lives together and still cannot say what it is that they want from another. And this is the reason why I think this is so powerful, because these are quotes that you can find online, somebody waxing poetic about this. This shit was made back a long ass time ago. We're talking old timey gen. This is Greek mythology. So if you know how old Plato is, that's how old this shit is. So the fact that they had some grasp on this concept so far back is really, really telling. We were contemplating these sort of dynamics a long time ago. A long time ago. It's the, (laughs) yeah, it's the, the oldest conversation is love, right? The oldest conversation. So let's just get into it, Jen. Right, let's, let's get into what are twin flames. Well, um, I'll give you my de- definition and you can give me yours. We'll kind of All infuse right. them together like like two parts of one whole, you know? Right, I like yeah, it. Yeah, in some ways, me in some ways, me and Jen can represent either one of these soulmate twin flame type of dynamics. And like she said, it, it can totally be platonic. We can have this sort of connection with multiple people. For sure. And then I, right. I look at a twin flame relationship as a shared soul connection, right? So they're identical souls that carry a balance of divine masculine and divine feminine into one into one soul. They're separated at some point, at some some point in this lifetime or before. And if you happen to be lucky enough to run into your twin flame in on earth, the connection is magnetic. It so is magnetic. 
It is magnetic. It is super strong. It can yeah, almost be even strong. looked at as like a drug. You can even, we call them, they call them also to mirror souls. A mirror soul. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the feeling, the feeling that one gets whenever they meet a, a twin flame is actually like a pull from your solar plexus. And yeah. it's different from the feeling that you get when you meet a soulmate because that pull you feel from your sacral chakra. So you can feel that more in your sacrum and then your twin flame is more in, um, in your solar plexus, Yeah, which is kind of interesting. And, and this is, it's really important that we're talking about this because there's a lot of confusion and I'm not even going to call it confusion. There's a lot of mm-hmm. conversations, conversations, ongoing conversations yeah. about what this is. And, uh, even our perspective is sort of, um, drawing in from our own personal experience, which I think is the most effective way to communicate about it is how we have experienced this with other people. But in my experience, the twin flame sort of dynamic, it's easy to see the twin flame as being sort of like this heavenly sort of connection that is always meant for success. I think what people affiliate twin flames nowadays, at least from my perspective, are those like Instagram accounts that are created Mm -hmm. by tarot card readers that reach out to you in order to try and get you to buy a twin flame reading. And so they're just like, oh, buy a reading connected to your twin flame. It's like this fast food version of what a twin flame is. As if it's somehow like the, it's the just, buzzword twin flame. It's like, that's how yeah. they, that's clickbait. That's how they get you in. Yeah. That's how yeah. they get you in. And there is a grittiness to the twin flame type of energy. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. There twin is flames a, fuck your life up. Yeah. There's a yeah. deep passion. There's an untamed energy to it. It's more passionate than a soulmate in the sense that there are extreme highs mixed with extreme lows. And we're going to get into the difference between the two uh, once we go over both of them. But just right now, twin flames are really passionate. At times there is balance, but you know, it's often in, in a lot of cases because of the intensity, they're very unstable. Mm-hmm. You can think of like a healthy relationship as a pendulum that sort of balances itself out in the middle. Perhaps this is where, twin, this is where soulmates tend to reside, in the middle between absolute bliss and uh, undeniable chaos. But with twin flames, it seems that pendulum is always swinging back and forth, fucking hitting the walls oh, and yeah. destroying every, knocking everything over like an angry cat on this way, hopefully to land in the middle. The soulmates build the house, the twin flames burn that motherfucker down. The only thing I notice about these uh, type of relationships is, is they, there seems to be an intensity. There's an acceleration, right? Right. The acceleration being, okay, you meet somebody. Let's just take the, the twin flame definition out of the equation because you don't even need to be somebody that, that knows what this is. You can be unconsciously in a twin flame relationship and not even know it. So say you meet somebody and right away you just feel like a car that is going from zero to 100 miles an hour in an instant. You're fast. You're going fast forward, speeding 100 miles an hour. And there's, every, there's this part of you that just feels this undeniable connection that in some ways feels kind of unhealthy because it's so different mm-hmm. and it's so out of this world. Unless maybe you're you maybe evolved enough to notice, it operates a little differently. So you automatically have this knowing of who this person is. You feel this attraction to this person, yep. having not even knowing who this person is in real life. And you want to do crazy shit sometimes, which is maybe an example would be somebody that tries to get married and get engaged after a month of knowing them. Or even a day. Or Happens a all day. the time in Vegas. Yeah. Or somebody and- that you've, you've only met for like a day and yep. somebody that you're making kind of impulsive decisions with. Now in the, the general scheme of kind of like the universe and how it works, these aren't necessarily bad decisions. No, they're not. There are alternate ways of getting to the same destination, but I tend to think of twin flames as you're taking the same route to the ending path, which is love, but you're taking sort of like this really complicated obstacle course that isn't very easy to walk through 
but you want to walk through it. It, it, You are willing to rearrange your entire life in order to walk through it. And there's actually some pretty cool signs that twin flames get with each other. It's not just that knowing, but it may open up new psychic abilities and new shared emotional experiences. Um, Kind of a lot like twins, like brother and sister or sister, sister, brother, brother, birth twins, you know, that uh, they have those shared emotional experiences. It's very similar with your twin flame. You can also have those shared experiences with each other, even at a distance. So if your twin maybe lives in another state or another city and is sick, maybe they're really tired and sleeping a lot, like that can affect you in a way where you are also uh, having that experience. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what I I read that exact same thing, which is like, it it seems the the dynamic between them is getting a specific type of work done. Mm -hmm. Like there's a very, very specific type of task. And the reason why that this happens with twin flames is because you're two parts of one whole. So more often than not, that twin flame represents a very, very strong side of yourself Mm -hmm. that needs to be basically because they're a mirror soul. They have this ability to reflect back all of your insecurities, all of your fears. They reach into your heart and they pull out all the stuff that you maybe thought you had in order, all the stuff that you thought you knew about life and about yourself. And they just sort of shake things up, right? And this can be looked at as a good thing in the sort of universal sense, but you have to be really careful because this can also tread into the toxic realm. Because like I said, the pendulum swings back and forth. So you have to practice a really strong form of awareness as to what's going on as to not fall into this realm of being basically just shit all over while you're going down this this path, you know? And you know, it's, it's so hard to tell, right? Because when you meet a, a twin flame, those people often experience uh, major spiritual awakenings and dark nights of the soul. Yeah. And it's like fully burning their house down, right? Like, so whenever they come into contact, their lives start to feel like both of their lives start to feel like they're unraveling and falling apart. That's like job changes, relationship changes, and all of that is happening to start over, right? So they can yeah. build the life together to ascend to that higher soul purpose. Yeah. And it's like you said, they, they, you can get two results from a twin flame, which is you could go through that really arduous sort of difficult path and hopefully end up together in the end, or it can just be completely destructive in the way that it, it, it shakes you so much that you cannot be the same person leaving that relationship. It yeah. calls for this an, an inevitable change where that dark night of the soul happens and you have no choice but to change. Exactly. Because of how much it shocked you, right? And I imagine that like, if you're somebody, maybe that's a bit more introverted, maybe you may attract a twin flame that's extremely extroverted, right? So you're mm-hmm. talking about two polar opposite sides that are very similar in a lot of ways, maybe in uh, a spiritual sense, but when it comes to the sort of 3D physical manifestation, uh, I think they can often represent parts of your personality that you need to work on. So if you're too soft, you might attract a twin that's like fucking hard as shit, right? Oh, yeah. It's so true. I mean, you become each other's greatest teachers. Where you're strong, they lack. Where, you know, they're strong, you lack. And that's the whole purpose is that that shared purpose to help the collective and teach each other. For me, it's like twin flames often grow through passion, struggle, and emotional pain. And that may seem to the ego to not feel like a, a good thing, yeah. right? But there's a, a beauty in that because one, it's it's worked into the human journey, mm-hmm. right? We learn a lot about ourselves through you know adversity and our struggles. Yeah. A lot of people, when they think of relationships, they just want it to be happy-go-lucky. And that's fine. You may get that with a soulmate relationship and it might be easy. It's but easy. With the soulmate twin flame, relationships are wonderful. Like they're so easy. You know, yeah. instant attraction, instant bond. You love each other. Everything's great. You know, everything yeah. just falls into place. And yeah, yeah soulmate relationships are awesome. Uh, yeah, there's just think, not a lot of work. But yeah. and with the twin flame relationship, it's almost just like the, it just, there seems to be something a little bit more gritty, something a little bit more 
darkly sort of playful about it, yeah. you know, they, they tend to sort of cause us to completely reevaluate our position in life. And it's just through going through this constant struggle. And, and I can identify with this, Jen, because I'm a Libra. When mm-hmm. I say romanticize, romanticize incorporates this whole struggle, right? Yep, There's this sure dr- dramatic sort of initiation. There's this dramatic sort of pull to a relationship that has to go through all these struggles in order to work because in the end, it seems like it makes it worth it. Right. It seems like in the end, you can get that happy ending. And that may very well be. And I think the one thing that you also mentioned too is that like twin flame connections can be so fucking strong that you inevitably or one person usually ends up leaving because of the intensity, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really common. And usually twin flames meet at times in their life where they're with other partners, you know? Oh, so yeah. that's, that's really, a, really common as well. That's a touchy one too, right? Because the, yeah. the sort of ego interprets that as like, oh, this motherfucker, yeah. right? Especially you feel bad because you maybe have this affiliation with this person that is taken. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you're looking at it from more of like a universal perspective, it's like, okay, well, you can take that kind of hippie route and be like, well, we're all sort of one energy. If this is a matter of possession, then that might hurt the ego. But if you're looking at the sort of universal perspective, and maybe it may not seem so bad, but I completely agree. Like I'm sure people have experienced that before where they like meet somebody and they're already taken. They're like, but you, you were my twin flame. But wait a minute. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Slow yeah. down. Yeah. Slow down. And, oh, man. I've, I've been in twin flame relationships, Jen. I've you been have? in twin flame relationships. I, I definitely have. And one thing that I do know is that, at least from my experience, that you tend to learn the most because we learn the hard way, I think, in twin flame relationships because a lot of them become so emotionally charged that unless you're evolved enough to move through it, it can easily gravitate more into the toxic realm. You end up opening each other's womb, you activate triggers, you're crossing boundaries. The painful truth is that these relationships are often too intense and they're strong and they're destructive and we one person can't handle it. And yeah. maybe they will temporarily break up for a period of time and maybe get back together sometime in the future. But when I say future, it doesn't necessarily mean this life. Yeah, no, right? it, it doesn't. Like That's the thing about twin flames is if you're lucky enough to meet them in this life, wonderful, but usually you don't. Usually it's something that is, you're connected in other lifetimes. It's like that white unicorn sort of energy, right? They're often like those relationships we wish we could have, but we're too, what are are too emotionally charged to sustain. You know, I feel like codependent narcissistic relationships are maybe a good example of when a twin flame dynamic goes toxic. I think that's more of a karmic partnership. That's not a twin flame dynamic. They're interrelated in the sense that like they are doing a specific type of work yeah right yeah karmic okay. twin flame yeah I, we can we can see them as karmic definitely but also the the karmic kind of has the same grit and edginess and sort of shadow that yeah the karmic, yeah. karmic relationships does. are more like trauma bonding like you identify you know those wounds and trauma in someone else and it makes you feel comfortable and that's the attraction um oh. but it's not it's not so much that way with twin flames like twin flames are usually a little bit more evolved and uh more healed it's not always that painful the painful part of a twin flame relationship is actually burning down your house like you start yeah. to change who you were before Like you come in contact with this twin flame and suddenly, you know, the things that you liked before you don't like anymore, the people you liked, you don't like anymore. And you ascend to this like higher, higher level of consciousness. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I can't, um, I can't find words for it, but yeah. That's probably the best explanation. It's hard to define. Yeah, it's hard to define. Because it's a feeling, unless you've experienced what it feels like to uh, having met somebody like this, it's really hard to articulate. And I think that's the reason why we're trying our best to communicate and talk about it because it's a difficult thing to convey in words. If you've met a twin flame, if you've met a soulmate, there's some existential thing that happens in your body where the second this person was is within your proximity, just in an instant starts to question 
your entire existence. Time team, time seems to move a different way. Sometimes it becomes even non-existent. You know, 100%. you start yeah. to feel this feeling in your solar plexus, this mm-hmm. feeling of perhaps familiarity that you've corresponded with this person before, that you've had yeah. intimacy with this person before. The d- most difficult thing about it is trying to figure out why it is that you're feeling this because sometimes those things happen out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes yeah. uh, you don't know what's going to happen. It just comes out of nowhere. Or it could come from a dream too. A Lots of people meet their twin flames in dreams and then um, carry on with their life after they've met their twin flame and had that connection. Even even in the dream space, they're like, oh shit, they're always searching and always looking. Even if they're in a soulmate relationship, even if they're happy, even if they're single, right? Yeah. Maybe they're like habitually single and just can't find someone to be with because every single person they date is not their twin and you know they feel like they're missing missing that person. Yeah. So um, that's yeah, a, that's a big, it can manifest in a couple ways. That's a big error that I think people make. Uh, and, and this is something, a mistake that I made, I, I made once I started studying and getting into this, these two dynamics is that once you find out what a twin flame is or a soulmate is, you go in the, this is, I guess, a function of the ego. Automatically, you're looking for it everywhere, yeah. right? And you're judging your current relationship based off of this sort of philosophy that you have. Mm-hmm. You're going through this list that you find on fucking BuzzFeed, like, oh, does this person check <laughs> up all of the boxes yeah. of being a t- twin flame? And then it does, you know, we, in some ways, maybe sabotage it. What I what I would say is that a twin flame and a soulmate relationship fucking happen out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. You're usually not looking for it. It's usually something that just peeks its head around the corner and all of a sudden they're in your life and you're like, where the fuck did you come from? Like, imagine, I thought about that too. I have dreamt about people that I've never met before in my life. Me too. You know, people I, I, I've never in this life have met before. For whatever reason, in my dream, there's this familiarity with them. In my, in my dream, there was this sincerity. Like I knew exactly who this person was in my dream, right. but in real life, they didn't exist. Like, where does that come from? Like, where do we get the ability to just dream somebody out of nowhere that we know wholeheartedly exists, right. just not in this realm? Just Yeah. Very interesting how that happens. So yeah. um, mentioning BuzzFeed and, um, you know, list that you're going down, actually have a list. It's not, it's not very long, but we'll talk about it real quick. And I actually got this from uh, Magnetize Yourself on YouTube. Um, uh-huh. It's a channel where all she talks about is twin flame relationships. Oh, yeah. So um, these are her signs, according to her signs, that you're with your twin flame. So this one, the very first one I thought was really interesting and really, um, uh, I want to I see if this was relevant to you since you have met a twin flame, right? So you start researching the feelings that you're feeling and you're like what is this feeling why am I feeling this and then all of a sudden you start getting guided to twin flame information yeah so and then that twin flame information starts to resonate with you and some of the questions that people ask themselves are why am I having these telepathic experiences with this person why do I feel so connected and drawn to this person Um, so, uh, whenever that information starts to resonate with you, that is a good indication that you were divinely guided to the information to tell you that this is your twin flame. Yeah. I think that's a nice, nice way to like have the, the sort of universe slowly unravel that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. right? That's not a searching. That's like, okay, this happened to come into your field and and, and you're able to sort of apply that. One thing that I've noticed though, just off of what you're talking about is when we take the twin flame soulmate thing, once we learn about it and we start judging every relationship in this seeking type of behavior, I notice this in other people. Every person seems to, or at least from my experience, always coexist with the last, this sort of lasting dilemma of what type of relationship they should commit to based off of two entirely different types of people. So for example, you know somebody, and I've met uh, people, they always know someone they passionately love, but know is toxic or unhealthy for them, right? 
they have that one one decision in the back of their mind, right? And then they also know someone who loves them, feels safe, is healthy for them, but doesn't necessarily spark those idealistic and maybe vain and passionate qualities in them. I've met people like this where it's like, oh, they, they're always waning between the two. Like they know that the toxic guy is not good for them. They know that this this sort of grittiness and this this person isn't right for them. And then they have this other person that's like the nice guy and they're like, they know that they can be happy with them, you know? And we approach love, uh, I think, with the same confusion that we experience in fast food drive throughs where okay. we're being bombarded with what ifs, choices, yep. and whether mm -hmm. we're making the right decision. And this can be draining, especially, you know, when we prolong making any meaningful decisions. And I think in result, we end up losing or destroying both of those people with our indecision of going back and forth. Yeah. And I think that that is a very good example of a difference between like just a, a, a toxic soulmate relationship because a, a twin flame relationship, you're willing to move heaven and earth and do absolutely anything and lose all of your material possessions and everything in order to be with this person. And in those toxic type soulmate relationships where maybe, or like even a karmic relationship that you have with that person, with a, a certain person, um, and the kind of like feeling of going back and forth between one person and the other with a twin flame, you don't have that desire to go back and forth with anyone else. It's that is the only person on, on this planet and eons before and after that will do like, this is yeah. the only person that will do. Yeah. So that is, sound that's the major difference. And I don't want to sound pessimistic about it. I'm only just being realistic because from my experience and reading about a lot of this stuff, the twin flame relationship is super intense and it can definitely work, but it takes a lot of fucking work. It takes a lot right? of work. It takes a mm -hmm. lot of work. There is a happy ending if you're able to dedicate yourself to going through those dark shadows and oh, illuminating yeah. them with your light. But the truth is it's too strong for most people. Oh yeah, right. it, it certainly is. And I we'll think the, talk about that when we get and, to the phases of of yeah, twin flame re I, relationships because there's, yeah, there's a pretty... I think the, uh, the percentage of, of successful relationships with twin flames and soulmates, it's it's much smaller with, with twin flames. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. you want yeah. these things to work. I think most people, they absolutely want them to work, but in the sort of 3D real world scenario, for some reason, they're just too intense. Maybe that person, you have chemistry, but they're not real world compatible with you you know, yeah. financially, um, in all the ways in which, you know, you moderate your life. And inevitably, a lot of these things end. Like one person ends up leaving because it's too emotionally charged mm -hmm. or that person just isn't compatible with your life in that moment. All right. Well, second second sign um, that you have met your twin flame or that twin flame is close is um, a deep level of spiritual awakening and you become more spiritually activated and maybe even taking on new and intensified spiritual spiritual gifts that maybe you didn't have before. And uh -huh. that could manifest in all kinds of different ways, but most of the time you just feel like you're going crazy <laughs> and you're yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. Like you're starting to see maybe entities or auras that are picking up on telepathic messages or having extra senses that you didn't have before. So that's a really good indication that that, um, that, that twin flame has entered into your life. So basically um, you're just slowly losing your shit. Yeah, yeah. It you it acti <laughs> it activates your energy and it's from the merging of the twin flame energy, right? So yeah. your auras touch each other and then there's that like feeling of um feeling energized and 
that's, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself and talking about the phases, but that's kind of like the first phase, right? It's oh, whenever you become phases, in contact Jen. and then you, and then the phases you of the twin together. flame relationship. Yeah. Well, hold on. We have a couple more things. We have okay. a couple more okay. things. Okay. Okay. So the, the third thing we've already talked about, it feels like your life is completely falling apart. Um, because you go through this like dark night of the soul and, um, and, and it brings all this heightened spiritual energy that starts moving through you and it comes up against all of your other limiting beliefs, right? Your ego kicks in and is like, no, yeah. you can't do this. You're crazy. This isn't going to work. Um, and all of that comes from just limiting beliefs of the collective and that negative pro programming that we have that we're not um, able to achieve that type of love. That's so, true. um, yeah. So you start because more this, often than like, not. Like more often than not, they are, they, you do run into that compatibility piece that's challenging. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, it's asking you, you're, you're start you're suddenly starting to think of all these things that wouldn't fit within the 3D box, like quitting your job and fucking exactly. running and in, 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 in running off into the hills together, maybe taking a, a trip down to India together and selling off all your shit. Like really mm -hmm. earth shattering, not maybe earth shattering in the 3D sense. Maybe in the Western right. sense, but not earth shadowing in the spiritual sense. Like this yeah. is just you choosing a completely different adventure. If you're committed to it, you can make that work. You can but, make it work. You know, yeah, a lot of people will think you're crazy. Easy. Everybody will think you're crazy. Yeah. And it's basically a battle with your ego self and your soul self. That's what's happening. I was thinking so, about this too, Jen, as it pertains to what you're talking about, the twin flame thing. We, we can say that it, it can involve somebody else, but I was thinking about this today. It can just involve yourself. And this is something that can happen. You don't, you don't just have one of these. You can have lots of these different types of experiences because the earth is vast and we're, there, there's so many different possibilities out there. But you could be your own sort of twin flame because there are some people that are connected to their ego, right? True. And there are some people that are disconnected from their heart, from their spirit. So the whole twin flame journey can play out between your relationship with yourself. Your heart mm. is one half, your ego in your mind is another. So working those two together, huh? What do you think of that? I think it's an interesting theory. It makes sense, I right? I don't know if I, I don't know if I hundred percent agree with it, but I, I, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I, like I guess it. we can I just like call it. that enlightenment. Maybe we don't have to work <laughs> a, into <laughs> this. Is this is enlightenment? You know, oh. we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna put it into the twin flame dynamic, but it's, it's similar how these sort of things yeah. play out, right? There's polarities. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, just a couple more. So you feel lost, um, and like your passion and interest no longer resonate with you. So even parts of your personality that, that maybe you thought were like who you were, and then suddenly that dissolves. And that happens because you start to have like a certain level of disillusion with your ego. So, which I thought was kind of cool. And, um, your belief system often becomes deconstructed. So if you had any kind of religious beliefs before or any like other limiting beliefs or something that you were like hardline in the sand on, um, usually that changes too. your passions and your interests change and, um, you start to develop, develop new ones. So you'll be drawn to things maybe that you were never even interested in before. So Isn't it interesting? It just reminds me of like the the sort of guru and student type of relationship too. Right. Right. They, these these partners end up being some of the greatest teachers, at least for me, mm -hmm. that yeah. you'll ever have. Mm -hmm. Right. So the difference between them and somebody else is that these are people that gain access to your heart. Like these yep. are people that gain access to the deepest, most intimate parts of you. And exactly. we don't just let anybody do that. Right. Yep. We don't let anybody into that space. And when we do, and they sort of slowly unravel, I mean, they're doing 
exactly what Eastern gurus do when you sit at the feet of the master yeah. uh, in India. Mm-hmm. And they just have this way of just shaking you up and rattling you up and, and just completely triggering everything inside of you. And then they laugh at your ass afterwards because they realize that it's all just a game. And <laughs> in the end, it'll yeah. make you so much more more happier and self-fulfilled and self-actualized. So you can look at these twin flames as gurus. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yes. So last two, um, soul monogamy. This I thought was really interesting. Um, It's that feeling of being committed to your twin flame counterpart, um, regardless of, you know, what your 3D label is. Like, so maybe you're not together with this person, but you still don't want to be with anyone else. And anytime you are with someone else, you feel like you're cheating on your twin, which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. And then lastly, and we can move into the phases because this is a pretty good segue, um, is the feeling of intense, the feeling of being intensely alone. And, um, after this is after like the love bubble and the separation type phase, you'll find yourself kind of in hermit mode. And, um, this is because you've gone through this dark night of the soul and, um, you've changed so many things in your life and you don't feel aligned to anything anymore. So all the things that you loved before or liked, like maybe it was like going out to bars and drinking and partying. And that's something that you did all the time and hung out with a certain group of people. And then all of a sudden you stop resonating with those people and you don't want to do those things anymore. And then you're in a spot where you're feeling um, just intensely alone. Yeah. It challenges everything that we thought we knew about what love is. Yep. Right. Exactly. We can feel that love maybe in sometimes substantial amounts throughout our life, sometimes in small amounts throughout our interactions with other people. But the second that this person comes into your field, it is a love that I maybe more commonly people experience on psychedelic trips yeah. or, you know, deep trance-like states. Mm-hmm. This is a transcendental experience, right? Yes. So if we want to mm-hmm. put this in the most, uh, I guess, practical term, it is like being on the greatest drug you've ever had in your life. Yeah. But the 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 most mysterious and mystical part about it is that it's not being caused by any sort of substance. This is something right. that is inherently coming and radiating from you because of your proximity with this other person. And that would fucking knock the brakes off of anybody because it's like, how do you, like, where do you even start with that? It is so right. otherworldly. It is so beyond anything that you've ever felt before. It, it, and, and once you feel something that intense, you have absolutely no choice but to rethink everything. Absolutely. You, yeah. you start to clear away and make space for that connection to thrive. And oftentimes in real time, um, this sounds all like, Ooh, like kind of like a fairy tale, but in real time, it feels like a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Oh yeah, That's not a, not a great feeling to go through all of these major experiences and your friends and family thinking you've lost your mind and, you know, um, and and God's up there laughing at your ass. Cause he's like, Oh, you you may think this is crazy, but this is all good. No matter which way you go. Good. Yep. Yep. You know, to choose your own adventure type of vibe. And if you want to go down the route of, you know, completely, you want to go down the route of remodeling your home, that's fine. You want to go down the route of fucking burning that shit down and then uh, moving to a container house in the woods. You can do that. This is good. This is better. Tell me about the faces, Eric. Oh, the face. It's funny that you ask, Jen. (laughs) It's funny that you ask because... You were talking about stages. Oh, you said phases. I'm going to call them stages. Stages. The rhyme master stages today. Phased. Yeah. Ri- tomato, the, tomato. Tomato, tomato. Stages of a twin flame relationship. This sort of love is uh, cultivated through collaboration and understanding. So the first stage, if you are listening to this, check in with yourself. See if this applies to you. You could be amongst a twin flame. You probably know by now. You don't need me to tell you. But first stage is the premonition stage where mm-hmm. you feel as if you're about to meet someone very important in your life. And this this can happen before you even meet them. 
Just yeah. like what you said, you could dream about them. Something mm-hmm. could call you to, maybe a, a psychic can tell you about it. Maybe they're in your midst. You could even just be at a grocery store. There's something inside of you. You can dream about it. This person will show up when you're ready. This is the premonition stage. There's something, something that's about to change. And the second stage is when you actually meet this person and you have this instant sort of electric connection and you're both feeling it and you I both are just like, they're multiplying. Yeah. Is that grease? Is that grease, <laughs> yeah, Jen? It's grease. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should do an episode where you just Dating do the myself. whole soundtrack. I want to make you sing the whole soundtrack. <laughs> right? I, I don't have a good voice. You should be the one to sing the soundtrack for sure. Oh, you're oh, the you're know. the I singer and musician of the two of, of us of Greece. Oh, I mean, I have that blast from the past. I haven't heard that in so long. But yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'll just sell off your car and you'll just get like one of those old timey little bombs and you'll dress like John Travolta in the movie Greece with your leather jacket on. You know, like and it. you and, and you and your your young you and your little miss will just drive off into the sunset. She'll be wearing her poodle skirt, her poodle skirt, and uh, you guys it. will be drinking sarsaparilla. <laughs> All right. And so the third stage relates to the conflict that arises as a mirror. As you mirror and amplify each other's insecurity, right? This stage oh, is followed this is by the fun stage. yeah. This this stage is followed by more conflict and can serve as a catalyst for the relationship, either deepening your connection or driving you and your partner apart. Yep. This stage is followed by the chase in which one partner pursues the other. Uh, this can either be followed by a, a surrender to the connection and a reunion in which you and your twin flame end up together, or it can lead to the end of the relationship if you're not able to work through your problems as an individual or as a couple. So this 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 also speaks to like you could meet them and it can just completely be too much that you split apart and then one day you guys come back together again. If yeah. if you're evolved enough to kind of take that magical journey into the twin flame relationship. Absolutely. So it, and that, that reunion doesn't always happen in this life. It could be in nope. the next life or the life after. Yeah, that's really important to consider. Like it, it, you, you got to think like they could be somebody that in this life they made this sort of a soul contract with you, or maybe there was some karma you needed to go through and you needed to work through in this life so that in the next life you guys can actually be together. But the, the, I guess the, the pinnacle of this twin flame thing is that it's very, very charged. It's very intense. It's very passionate. Your sex is probably fucking awesome. It's that soul crushing sex, Jen. Oh man. That yeah. soul crushing sex. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's that, it's that, 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 that sex that like you've had and you just know you'll never have like that again. I mean, you may, you might, I mean, this isn't, you, you, you may very well, but this is something I think people that have know what it's like to be with a twin flame often experience. So this is like a dramatic relationship. Yeah. Right. We could just define it. It's a dramatic relationship. You could learn a lot from it. You can consolidate thousands of years of spiritual growth into one lifetime with a twin flame. So, and that that mental it's like mental, emotional or physical distancing during the time that you're separated in that like chaser phase is a time really where both of you can do the healing in order to reunite. But sometimes it doesn't always work like that. Like one person does the healing, the other person doesn't really, and then they're not able to reunite in this lifetime. Yeah, their purpose could be to completely break your heart in this life, to help you Possibly. learn what it's like to practice self-love. Because mm-hmm. the one thing that a broken heart will do that not a lot of other things can, which is get you to change your life. That's right. And get you to reevaluate what you're doing in your life. And there are not many things that can do that, like a broken heart. And so what is, if you have a companion out there in the universe, a twin flame that loves you so intensely and so deeply in the way that God loves you, what would be the number one lesson that they would put you through in order to get you to embody the love that we're trying to get to. And that's uh, learning self-love. 
and mm-hmm. self-acceptance and self-actualization. And the best thing way that we can learn that is by some ways getting our hearts broken, especially if we're somebody that's codependent, that is very dependent on other people for their happiness. When someone breaks your heart and you're left just shattered, you have a choice as to rebuild yourself much stronger. And you do that by introspection. You do that by working on yourself. And if, hey, if I was a twin flame and I existed in some alternate universe, I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to go into this life. I'm going to teach this motherfucker how to love by breaking his heart so that in the next life we can be happy. And figure it out. Yeah. We can figure it out. So now that we've kind of touched on, we've, we've noticed I said touched on touched the twin on. flame thing. Yeah. There's I'm sure so we much can... information on twin flames. It's insane. Yeah. So that that's enough to chew on. And uh, so let's talk about the soulmates, Jen. Let's All talk right. about the soulmates. You know, there's really not much to talk about. Soulmates are so easy. (laughs) It's like, oh, you meet this person. Everything's super easy. They feel like a friend. They feel like a lover. Everything's great. And you go skipping off into the sunset. You hardly ever fight. You know, you have similar energies, but they're not exactly the same. Yeah. And um, yeah. Soulmates are those we feel a deep connection to instantly. Like I said at the beginning, those symptoms in the beginning, those signs, you'll feel in the exact same way that you'll feel with the twin flame. Mm-hmm. Now, how it sort of unravels with soulmates is these things usually happen as a result of your emotional evolution and self-mastery. Your soulmate represents all of the work that you have done to get yourself in the positioning to be in a healthy relationship. Yep. So by that time you meet a soulmate, it's so much easier. You won't, it's not that you won't experience conflict. You will. You may have arguments. You may fight. Yeah, but I mean, that's pretty normal. That's like any both, relationship. Yeah, but you both will practice this more evolved spiritual sense of, um, I guess, unity amongst each other, where you probably communicate well. Things probably feel much easier, and you can still learn a lot from these relationships. But they're not as intense and as emotionally charged as the as the twin flames. Mm-hmm. These ones, you have to you have to invest more time in cultivating naturally the passion, right. cultivating the intensity, and yep. cultivating these things. Through your interaction with each other. Yeah. So soulmates, uh, like I said, feel each other through their ability to recognize healthy love as a result of personal inward spiritual work and the work that they've done in previous relationships. When we meet our soulmates, we feel as though we're preparing, we, we prepared our whole lives to meet them. And one thing that I had heard somebody talk about a while ago about, you know, a destructive twin flame sort of relationship that ended up in them healing is that you get this feeling your soulmate is just nearby. You're about to maybe meet that person. This can be the same thing for twin flames as well. But so unlike the passion of twin flame relationships, they're passionate in a different way. They aren't boring. They're simply a practice in cultivating all of the the meaning within the relationship as sort of like a mutual practice. Unlike, I guess, twin flames where the passion is a little bit more it can be animalistic. It can be immature. Uh, the passion between soulmates is more organic and is built from mutual love and respect. You hit on the key word, like the soulmate relationships are built. Like yes. it's a, it takes effort to like build that relationship. Um, mm-hmm. It's easy. It's not like difficult, but you do yeah. have to invest that effort for the passion. But with twin flames, it's just like so on fire. There's no one else in the world you want to be with other than that person. And the passion is at a 10. So. And, and one of the things I was thinking about the other day, too, is that a, a contributing factor to this, Jen, when we're dealing with intensity, like when we're dealing with the intensity of a twin flame relationship, we're also in a physical body. We also have these reward centers in our brain that are firing 
and, and we're, we're wiring it a certain way. When, it's, when we're emotionally charged all the time, we're getting an overabundance of these happy chemicals, these serotonin, norepinephrine, mm-hmm. dopamine. You're human and you experience that in abundance. doesn't matter who you are. You can become radically addicted to that type of shit. Oh, for Especially sure. Especially when you have somebody like sex with somebody and you have intimate sort of connections with it. We're, we're having, uh, we can make the mistake of over-identifying uh, maybe our ego can over identifying with these sort of neurochemicals in such a way that it almost feels like we're on a drug. Like this person just makes us high and yeah. that can be dangerous. That can be kind of toxic in a way. Oh, for sure. You know, because the whole point isn't to just max out on the drug factory in your mind. The whole point is to just sort of practice balance. And I think the soulmate dynamic, you're able to sort of see each other in a more pure way because you're not being bombarded with all of these extreme neurochemicals all the time. Uh, and, and just in the same way, when it comes to the, the reward centers, cortisol and adrenaline, anxiety is something that twin flames feel a lot of too. A lot of, When that yeah. pendulum swings the other way. So that's yeah. another thing. It becomes this battle between the ego and the heart sometimes with uh, maybe toxic twin flame relationships where it's like you love this person, but you know that they hurt you inside, but you're addicted to them. Because in some ways, maybe the ego identifies the neurochemical push as love. And in, in some ways it can be, but that's something just to be mindful of. I think in Absolutely. soulmate relationships, you don't experience that as much because it's just like yeah. even keeled. It's a little bit, yeah, it's so much easier. So the things you might ask yourself, signs, just like you met Jen, these are just more one sentence remarks. So if you've how, ever found yourself speaking to yourself inside of your own head, which you do, because you're human, we all oh, do yeah. it. Everybody you does may, that. You may tell yourself. Or conversations were, with yourself in the shower. <laughs> in the shower. Those were all the good, that's where all the good stuff happens, Jen. Yeah, agreed. Right? That's where all the singing happens. Okay. They were a stranger I recognized. They immediately felt like home to me. Oh. It's as if, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do these in an English accent. It, they immediately felt like home to me. No, no. I'm going to say it like Eckhart Tolle. I'm going to do my Eckhart Tolle impression when I say this, Jen. Okay. Okay. Because okay. your English was not good. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That was a bad Strike one. that. Reverse it. I'm going to okay. do my Eckhart Tolle impression with the common signs you've met your twin flame of soulmate. Okay. Right, ready? I wish uh-huh. I had the little tingsha bells. It goes ding because that's how he starts. He says, they were a stranger I recognized. <laughs> this they, is really good. Okay. They immediately felt like home to me. It's as if we've known each other for years. All right. That's it good. felt like we belonged to each other. She felt familiar to me. You have a deeper inner knowing of their energetic imprint. You feel like you already know this person and you feel like they have something to teach you. Ding. Yeah. Ding. That was really yeah. good. I really enjoyed think, that. What did you think yeah. of my Eckhart Tolle impression? I'll do my Ella Watts really impression good. next time. You know, I don't, I don't usually like your impressions, but that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I've done, I've done a Terrence McKenna impression with you and you said it was good. Oh yeah. I like that one too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do my Terrence McKenna impression sometime later and then also do an Alan Watts because I have an Alan Watts one and I have a Judah Oh, Christian you have an Alan Watts one? Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. We'll save that one. Okay. So maybe some uh, other bullet points to mention. So, so soulmates, it's, it's, it's in, it's in. It's not necessarily always an easy relationship. I don't want to paint this out because in contrast to the twin flames, this kind of almost implies that it's kind of small potatoes, but it's not. It's not. Right? You are yeah. reaping the benefits of all of the the change and the work that you've done to arrive in a place where you could recognize somebody that is evolved in the same way. If that's the decision and that's the life that you want to go down and that's safe for you and you want to make your spiritual practice or your evolution into just this gradual thing that happens to the end of your life, then you can totally do that. The twin flame relationship isn't a bad relationship. It's just a different doorway that you take in order to get to the same result. From our experience, it just seems to be a little bit more challenging. If you're up for the challenge and you want to go down that route, then definitely do it. 
And I'm it's just much going more from, rare. You know, not yeah. everyone has a, a twin flame. So, you know, yeah. lot, people have multiple soulmates. So, you know, uh, arriving to that point with your soulmate is still a beautiful accomplishment. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I don't want to paint the picture like one is bad and one is good. And that's not the case. They're both and good. I know that's, and that struggle is very real for people that have met twin flames, you know, yeah. and I know it exactly what it feel like, you know, they could be the most attractive person you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And, and not even just because of their physical attraction, but because there's a familiarity to the attraction that you have to them. Yeah. You know, you can have this instant chemistry and you can just sit there staring for hours into each other's eyes, not even saying anything. And you can feel that sort of remembrance in their eyes. Maybe that's the reason why they just sit and stare at each other for hours. Maybe. Because they're just sitting there completely shocked that this person is in front of them. Because mm -hmm. when they're in front of them, all of these feelings and all of these emotions come back and you're just like, wow, like I know who you are. And the knowing stretches far beyond the life that we're in. How do right. you reconcile that? So yeah. the only thing that you can do is just stare at each other. Everything about this person may just light you up inside. And there are some people that the experience is so intense it may freak them the fuck out in the beginning. Oh, yeah. You know, it may scare them. Like, it'll scare them so bad that they're just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. Like, how can this be real? Yeah. You know? You almost go down, you go, you start having this little war inside of your mind trying to talk to yourself and contemplate and, and debate with yourself as to like, well, how is this even possible? Is this real? It makes you question whether or not you're coming from an authentic place. You really have to kind of check yourself. You can go from zero to a hundred overnight with this person. That's right. Check moving in together. Before you wreck yourself. Yeah. Moving in together, yeah. wanting marriage. All those and, things. And uh, I've been in a relationship like this before. And there was this sort of like feeling of being like teenage lovers. Our, our relationship in a lot of ways felt like immature. There was an innocence to it, but it also had this sort of like naive quality to it. And I, I, I was absolutely in love with this person, but there was compatibility. There was a difference between chemistry and compatibility. Like you can absolutely, you, you can have chemistry with somebody, but if that can actively be worked out in this life, the unfortunate thing is it, it more often than not can't happen. Like if yeah. that person isn't taking care of themselves, if they can't, you can't, you know, work on a sustainable life in this sort of world together, then what's the point? Like you're not going to want to go into a relationship where you're just struggling because you love each other. Right. It's got to work out. And all, yeah. you know, all these other little boxes got to be checked too, you know? Oh, so, those yeah. boxes. Got to check all the boxes. You got to, you got to check, got to check all, all the boxes. But yeah, if, if you feel, if you meet that person, both of these, you'll know. You'll know. And yeah. uh, one thing that I did want to stress is just don't go looking for it. Mm -hmm. The best way that you can attract your twin flame or your soulmate is by working on yourself. Yes. Right. That so is absolutely correct. Yeah. And, and and you mentioned this in the beginning too. I think we should have we have to we have to mention this, Jen, is that our twin flames soulmates always romantic. Yeah, they're almost always romantic. It's it's never you're you're not gonna meet like a twin flame, you know, uh, animal or friend or family member. Yeah. It's uh, almost always romantic. Yeah, and then the soulmates, soulmates are the ones can that can sort of alternate those things. Right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. we we talk about this sometimes on the podcast too. Like I could be your cat. Could be your dog, yeah. could be your you're, mom. You're my soulmate friend. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And we make we talked about this with Alexander. We talked about it with Grace too. You know, we have these tribes, I imagine, at least from my experience, that we sort of incarnate in with altogether. You can identify these tribes as people that just somehow randomly wander into your life all willy-nilly, that come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But they have they seem to have a message and a and a, a teaching for you. 
and there's this familiarity to have. Me and Jen would be a perfect example of a, a soulmate type of relationship, right? Where like we, we, we are learning, constantly learning from each other and we're learning from our experiences, but also by sharing our separate lives together. That can be seen as a platonic soulmate type of relationship. So if you have like a, a friend, they could have incarnated into this life. They could have been your partner in a past life. You know what I mean? Uh, we need to bring back, um, what's her name that talked about evolutionary astrology? Oh, We need yeah. to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah, this I is remember. kind of kind of in line with that. So just a, a few sort of reflections. A soulmate in this life, just like I said, can be a twin flame from a previous life, worked out and finally healed. A twin flame in this life could be a remnants of a twin flame relationship in a past life that hasn't been fully healed. Look, if you guys know what fractals are, go on YouTube and look it up. Yep. It is just this thing where, you know, life is constantly sort of perpetuating this sort of meaningful pattern. And that the core of this is relationship, learning, and love. And we can have these with multiple people. You can have several hundreds of different soulmates. I think it's possible to have more than one twin flame, but it's just more common to have really only one that you identify. If you and, ever uh, identify them, like if that ever even happens, it's even yeah. a rare event that you meet your twin flame. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's a, that was a lot of ground to cover, Jen. Yeah. We got a, we got a lot of information in there in an hour and 15 it was minutes. A, it was a lot of information. A lot of information and hopefully, but with people that were listening to it are cleaning through their old Halloween stash so that we could all kind of start fresh this month. That's a, I love the idea of just somebody just chilling, relaxing, eating some Halloween candy, listening to Divine Nobody's podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a nice visual. Yeah, it's like a nice visual. Mm-hmm. Just to just to, to relax, enjoy life, you know? It doesn't matter if you're spiritual or not spiritual or what, how spiritual or not spiritual. You're a human being. That's something that we can all relate to. We are... Like I said, I'm going to plug it. We're the divine nobodies, right? We all come from the same source. And we're all essentially the same in the things that we love and the things that we like. This is why we all have this sort of common thread when it comes to love. This is something we can all relate to. It's something that we all experience together. And this is something that we hope that we can provide to you with these episodes. Uh, Because me and Jim, we're always constantly learning about this whole life thing. And uh, Twin Flames and Soulmates has worked into that because we've had experience with this and we know that you will too. So don't look out. Look within and it will just sort of unravel itself as it comes. If you're meant to meet your, tw- your Twin Flame or your Soulmate in this life, just work on yourself. That's the greatest, the greatest way to approach it, right? Yeah, the easiest way to manifest. Mm-hmm. Easiest way to manifest. Yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. You can find our episodes also on YouTube. You clip into the description. And uh, you can see the videos of me and Jen. Uh, If you can, like and subscribe. Smash the like button, as they say. And uh, if you guys are YouTubers and you like the long format thing, definitely subscribe. Uh, We love all of our listeners. If you can, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really help you out. We'd love to know what you think. And you could also follow us on Instagram uh, for our clips and just uh, other daily content that we we, uh, post up there. And uh, we should have some amazing guests up up ahead thank you guys for tuning in hope you had a good halloween we're good right yeah that's it namaste friends namaste